Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you again this morning for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, Father, and your grace. Father, I thank you for a wonderful time in your presence in every single location, Father, this morning. And in the name of Jesus, even as I begin to minister God's word, Father, I pray that you will anoint my lips, anoint every part of me, so that as I begin to share the word of God, Father, I pray for open hearts this morning, that the word of God will really begin to touch every life. Every person that is here today, Father, will realize that they are not here by accident, but that all things are designed according to your good counsel and your good purpose in Jesus' name. And Father, right now we want to honor the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would prepare each and every heart, each and every life, that we would honor your word and recognize the preaching and the teaching of your word as coming directly from you. Lord, we say to you, speak to our hearts this morning. Change our minds, change our lives, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, amen and amen. Well, welcome to all of you again in the house this morning. Always great to be planted in the house of God. And uh, we had a phenomenal, phenomenal January covering on the subject of Lordship. And I truly believe each and every one of you were greatly blessed by it. And I pray that the Holy Spirit has really impacted your life concerning you surrendering fully to the Lordship of Christ. And uh, it's February the 5th, Sunday, and we begin a brand new series today called Prodigal Love. And I'm so excited in this month, people, about what I, bring, what I really believe God is going to establish in each and every one of our hearts and each and every one of our lives through a fresh understanding of God's love for us. It's one of those messages you can never get enough of hearing because it really does establish and affirm and settle our hearts to know how much our Father actually loves us. And this morning, I, I want to read, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 15. And uh, the title of this message, of the message this morning rather, is called The Father or A Father's Love. And uh, I want you to know that God's love for us is relentless. God's love for us is uh, passionate. And God's love for us is absolutely unconditional. So God loves us in spite of what we do and not because of what we do. So Luke chapter 15, I'm going to be reading from verse 11. If you can follow with me in the word of God, please. The Bible says, then he said, this is Jesus talking, he's producing a parable or he's speaking a parable about a father and two sons. And uh, the younger one obviously runs away from home, realizes that life is not good away from home and, come, and he returns back to the father. So, so here Christ is trying to illustrate to us the father being God the father and how much his love actually pursues us. Even, even when we run away from him, he's still the God who comes after us, who pursues us, who loves us. So the Bible says, and then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered everything together that he had, 
and he traveled to a distant country and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to do without and be in need. So we all know that according to that first passage of scripture, it seemed as though in, in daddy's house, in the father's house, things were good. And suddenly this younger son developed a spirit of independence when he wanted to basically live his life separate from his father and requested his share of his inheritance. And he felt like he could be self-sustaining. He felt like he could be independent. And uh, he takes his things and he goes off to a far country. And because of a lack of wisdom, he, he's not skilled in understanding how to use his fortune. And he gets into uh, reckless living. He gets into uh, wasteful living. And eventually everything runs out. And the Bible says, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country. So it, it's always to him, it might have looked like this is Murphy's Law. Just at the moment when all my things that I trusted in, my wealth, was finished, suddenly there was a famine in the country. And he might have been thinking, why could the famine not have come when I had all my wealth? Why did the famine hit after I had already spent everything? So we all know from this that it's probably not a good idea to run away from home when you don't have to. When you've got everything that you need in the father's house, it's probably not a good idea to run away from home. So he says, uh, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to do without and be in need. Verse 15. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the carob pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger, and no one was giving anything to him. Well, there's a famous saying that says, when days are dark, friends are few. And I'm sure this man had a lot of friends when it was going well and suddenly when he had nothing it seemed like everyone had turned their backs on him and he was all alone in the pigsty verse 17 but when he finally came to his senses in other words when he realized he said how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while i am dying here of hunger i will get up and I will go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor. Now, this is amazing. This is a son that in rebellion had ran away from home, thought he was independent, separate from the father. 
spends everything he has, comes back, not, not because he necessarily missed his father, but because he had a need and he realized that I was hungry and that even those who work for my father eat well. And he said, I'll get up and go to my father. And as he's a long way off, the Bible says the father is the one that sees him. And the father is the one that initiates the reconciliation. The father is the one that gets up and runs towards the son. And you would think that the father is the one that did wrong to the son. But actually it's the boy who did wrong to the father. But it's the father that runs and pursues the boy see, and sees him. Now the first thing we learn is that. The father must have been expecting the son to come home every single day from the time he left home. Because the Bible says the father was the one who saw the son. So there was an expectancy. The father was every single day. He was expecting to see his son come back home. And that's such a fantastic love. And it reveals something to us about God's heart and about God's character. Is that even if you have made mistakes, even if you have failed... Even if you have run away from home like this boy, there is a father that has never stopped looking for you, never stopped hoping that you would come back home and that you'd be reconciled back to him. In verse 22, the Bible says, But the father said to his servants, Quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him and give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet. And bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate. For this mine son was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Now his oldest son was in the field. And when he had returned and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and began asking what the celebration meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he said to his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I, never, I have never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me so much as a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this other son of yours arrived, who has devoured your estate with immoral woman, you slaughtered that fattened calf for him. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. But it was fitting to celebrate and rejoice, for this your brother was as good as dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. And this is such a, such a typical and such a wonderful depiction of God as a father and how he treats and how he loves a lost humanity and even children that have wandered away from the house, how he cares for us and how he never gives up on us regardless of where we are, what situations we face ourselves in, what mistakes we've made, what failures we've made. All of those things are things that God looked past only to run and to have a relationship with us. And this is the love of a father that will never end. This is the love of a father that will never turn his back on us, regardless of where we are, 
what we've done, how deep we've fallen, what mistakes we've made. There is a love that is waiting for us that will never change. And that love is always waiting to receive us back and give us a hope and a future. The thing that stands out for me so amazingly right here in the story is the fact that the son comes home, right? The son comes home and the Bible actually says that when he goes, the Bible says quickly, the father says quickly to his servants. In other words, before this boy changes his mind or get him out of his current state because I can't afford to lose him again. He says quickly go and bring, bring the um, quickly go and bring the best robe for the, for the guest of honor. Now, this son came back in a condition worse than what he did when he left his home. But he came back, and what does he find? He finds the best robe. How many of you know that God is a God of the best for us? God doesn't settle for second best for his sons. God always settles for the best for us. And even though the son was separated from his father, went away from home, made mistakes. The moment he was reconciled, the father didn't say, go and prove your love for me in the field. He didn't say, now show me how much you love me. The moment the son came back, the father said, here is the best robe for the guest of honor. Notice the Bible says in the Amplified, the guest of honor. Many times we'll think, if you look at what this child did, if you look at his behavior, you would say he's not worthy to be a guest of honor. He's not worthy to even sit at the father's house because if you look at what he has done, and so much so, much so that the law of Moses treats people according to the way they deserve. But aren't you glad this morning that God doesn't treat us on the basis of what we deserve but He treats us on the basis of His love and He treats us on the basis of the completed work of Christ regardless of our performance, regardless of what we've done, regardless of what we're still going to do. He loves us because we are His children and not because we deserve His love. It's got nothing to do with what you and I do. It's got everything to do with who God is and what Christ has already done. So can you please give Jesus a shout of praise? Wherever you are this morning, lift your hands and thank Jesus for what He has done because He and He alone has procured the love of God for us that will never, ever end in Jesus' name. So the son comes back and the father brings out the best robe. Now the first thing is, what did the son do to deserve the best robe? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing to deserve the best robe. The father could have come out and said, give him a robe. But the father doesn't see us as sons, as just giving us ordinary. He wants to give us the best and the best of everything. The best robe, the fetid cough, a ring on our fingers in Jesus name. And he says, and he put it on him and give him a ring for his hand, which is a symbol of authority as a son. So immediately the son comes back, he is restored to full sonship without earning it, without behaving for it, without trying for it. It is completely separate from his own works and he gets reinstated into the status of a son and he gets given a ring on his finger and that ring is a symbol of his authority as a son in Jesus name. Can you say amen in Jesus name?
So often, many times in our lives, we look at our failings. We look at our shortcomings. We look at what we've done. And so often, the enemy brings the voice of condemnation into our minds. And he says, how can you stand in authority as a son? How can you act in authority as a son? You don't deserve to be a son. Look at what you've done. Look at how you've fallen. Look at your shortcomings. Instead of saying, look at the completed work of Christ. Look at what Christ has done. And now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ because of the completed work of Jesus. The enemy wants to keep us condemned. Because the moment we are condemned, our faith begins to shrink. And what happens to us? We start to lose authority in spiritual things. So this son comes home and he has absolutely nothing to do when the father reinstates him. To the full status of a son, putting a ring on his hand to say, this is your authority as a son. And the Bible says, sandals for his feet. And bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let us invite everyone to the feast and celebrate. For this mine son was as good as dead and is alive again. Now notice the Bible says, he was as good as dead. Why? Because death is not necessarily only when you die physically. The biblical definition of death is separation. So when we say someone has died, it means their spirit and their souls have been separated from their bodies. In the same way, when you separate from God the Father, who is life, we experience spiritual death when we separate from God. And this is why it's important for us to preach the gospel, because the gospel is the message of reconciliation. We need to reconcile a lost man back to God. God has already reconciled man back to himself. But now we need to preach the gospel and encourage men to say, be reconciled back to God. Because separation from God is spiritual death, is emotional death, is death in every area of our lives. And when we come into relationship with him again, life begins to flow, blessing begins to flow, favor begins to flow in every single area of our lives in Jesus name. So here we see a picture of the older brother who has placed confidence in what he has done before his father rather than coming to the end of himself and just receiving the benefits of grace. Now if you notice this, how many of you know that it's a lot better to receive from God freely by what grace has accomplished for us, or what Christ has accomplished for us, then, then trying to slave our way into a position of favor. God does not favor us because we do anything. We are favored by God because of the finished works of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that this morning? Hallelujah. Many of us have positioned ourselves incorrectly. We've positioned ourselves before God thinking that it's what I do that gains me favor with God. Or it's what I do that gets God to love me. Or it's what I do that gets God to approve of me. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. It's not what we do. We work because we are already empowered by grace. We are already approved by the Father because of what Jesus has done. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation the old things have passed away and all things have become new. So it's not, we are not favored on the basis of what we do. We are favored on the basis of where we are placed. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. 
It's as simple as that. When God places you in Christ, you are eternally blessed. You are eternally favored. You are eternally complete in all things in Jesus' name. If you are in Christ, you can expect the very best in your life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that positions you to prosper in every single thing that you do. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And the Bible says we will reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. So because we are in Christ, we reign. We rule and reign in life. We are not victims in life. We are victors in the name of Jesus. We are not defeated. We are always overcomers in the name of Jesus Christ because of where we are placed and because the blessing of God rests upon us in Jesus' name. Right there where you are, lift your hand and say, I'm blessed by God. I'm highly favored. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I prosper in everything. My future is blessed. I am healed and I walk in divine health. In the name of Jesus, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here we find the second son in the scripture really trying so hard. And maybe he thought that he needs to work hard in the field to get the father to love him. And here we see that, that this was his mindset. How do we know that? Because while he was slaving away, while he was working, grace was having a party. Grace was rejoicing. Grace, grace was rejoicing. And people who are under the law, that think to themselves, they need to, 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 to slave to get God to like them, start to become bitter and resentful towards other people who are simply living under the unmerited favor of God the Father. And he says in verse 29, but he said to his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never neglected or disobeyed your command, which is a lie. So many times there's an element of self-righteousness that has come into the older brother on the basis of the fact that he says, I've served you these many years. And then he starts to glory in his own position, instead of glorying in what Christ has done, he glories in his own position and he says, I have never. That's a very proud statement to make. I have never neglected or disobeyed your command. That stinks of self-righteousness. It stinks of pride. It stinks of uh, putting confidence in myself and putting confidence in my works instead of trusting in the completed works of the Lord Jesus Christ and coming to the end of yourself. How many people find themselves in that position today? How many people find that? How many Christians have fallen from grace because they have tried to serve to obtain favor, not realizing that we serve because we are already favored? How many Christians are trying to serve to get approval, not realizing that we serve because we are already approved by God? So now we don't serve to get God to do anything. Everything is motivated by love for Him in response to the love that He has shown for us. And so the son really becomes bitter with his brother. He becomes jealous 
and his brother and all these ugly manifestations of the law begin to take place in his life. He's not truly happy for his brother. He's more concerned about himself. He's more concerned about the father not giving him a party rather than celebrating his brother that has come home. And, wonder, and the wonderful father even says to this one, he says, son, he calls him son. So even when, even when the son was misinformed about the love of the father, the father still saw him as a son. And he says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was as good as dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has now been found. So maybe you're here today for the first time. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe someone's invited you. And you know that you are like this younger brother, this prodigal son who has run away from home. And you have lived your life in the pigsty of life. You've lived your life separated from God. You've lived your life completely in a distant country. And you have joined yourself and you've lived like a slave. You have been living in the pigsty when actually God is calling you to the palace. You've been uh, groveling around with the pigs of life. You've been hanging out with the wrong people. And suddenly a famine has come. And there's just been a drought in your life. And there's been no resources. And you've been struggling out in the cold. When there's warmth and there's love in the Father. So maybe you're sitting in church today and as you're listening to me speak. The Holy Spirit is beginning to open up your heart and open up your understanding concerning God's love for you. Maybe this is the first time you've heard a message like this. I'm here to tell you, brother and sister, regardless of what you have done, regardless of how far you might think you have fallen, you are never too far away from God's love. God's love will reach the deepest, baddest sinner and He will save him and rescue him. If only you will get up and say like the son, I will get up and go to my father. All it takes is for you to take one step to God today. And the father will run to you and take the other hundred steps. And he will meet you. He will embrace you. He will kiss you. He will love you. And he will welcome you into the family today in the name of Jesus. As you're listening to me speak, recognize that today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that things can be brand new. Today is the day that your life can change in an instant when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly all things have become new. All your past is gone. Your past is dead and buried. And suddenly you have a hope. You have a future. You have peace with God. Suddenly you'll experience a joy in your heart that you never experienced before. And that is because you are reconciled back to God. And God is your Father. And there's great things that are waiting in store for you in the name of Jesus Christ. If that is you this morning, I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like to call you back home and lead you back to the Father this morning. If that's you, wherever you are listening to this message, slip up your hand high right now in the name of Jesus. Unashamed, put up your hand and say, yes, Lord, I'm coming home, Father. I'm like that son that was, that was living separated, but I'm coming back home to you today. Thank you for receiving me this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Lift up your hand right now. All over, wherever you are, Kimberly, Bloemfontein and Colesburg, lift up your hand and say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. 
in Jesus' name. As you lift up your hand, people will come and pray for you and pray with you. But with your hands raised, I'd like you to pray this out loud with your mouth as I pray with you. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on that cross for me. Thank you that you rose from the dead on the third day to join me, to reconcile me back to a father who has loved me from the beginning. Father, I come to you today. I come back home to you today. And Father, I thank you that right now that my sins have been forgiven, that you put a ring on my finger and you clothe me with the best robe of righteousness. And I believe right now this morning that I am a child of God. I am born again. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. And Father, I thank you for your amazing love. I believe in the finished works of Jesus and I trust in what Christ has done for my salvation in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you, prayed that, if you prayed that prayer this morning, God bless you a thousand times. Your life will never be the same again. We would like to connect with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would like TCM to be your spiritual home, to be a home where you can be loved, where you can be cared for, where you can walk with other believers to become a strong Christian in the name of Jesus Christ. For more details, please contact Lucille and Roland down in Colesburg, uh, Dominique and Loretta down in Kimberley, in Bloemfontein, Sheridan and Adam are available to give you more details on how you can connect with this ministry, how you can connect with this church and make this church your spiritual home. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.